Elias was sitting on a great rock, gazing out over the Aegean Sea. His eye was caught by a movement on the water, and he saw, dancing over the waves towards him, the most beautiful creature he had ever seen. He watched, enchanted by the sea nymph's beauty, as Thetis stepped lightly from the crest of a wave onto the shore, clothed in a wonderful robe of sea green, woven by naiads, the nymphs of rivers and springs. Just then a voice murmured in Peleus's ear, and the sound was as soft as the wind whispering through ancient forests. Behold, Peleus, it said. Behold the beautiful sea nymph Thetis, daughter of Nereus, whom even the immortals have wooed and lost. Though she does not know it, she has been sent here to be won and wed by you. Peleus turned to see the speaker, but saw only a cloud of sea mist. When he turned back to where Thetis had been, the shore was deserted. All day Peleus waited for Thetis to return, but the shadows grew long and the evening came without her. So Peleus sought out Chiron, his teacher, and described what had happened to him. The wise centaur listened carefully to his story. When Peleus had finished, Chiron remained silent for a while. Then he rumbled in his deep voice, The whisper in your ear was the goddess Athene, Peleus. If you would win this sea nymph, you must follow my instructions or she will return to her father's cave under the ocean and escape you forever. And he told Peleus exactly what he must do. The following morning, when the sun tipped the topmost crags of Mount Pelion with gold, Peleus hid himself near where Thetis had taken her walk along the shore. For the Prince of Thessaly, every moment he waited for the nymph to reappear was an eternity until, dazzling even against the sunlight on the sea, Thetis emerged from the waves onto the shore, more beautiful than he remembered her. Peleus jumped out from his hiding place and caught the nymph in his arms. However hard she struggled to reach the waves, Peleus clung to her, not letting go for an instant. Then, quite suddenly giving up the struggle, she lay quiet in his hands. Exhausted, too, Peleus lay still on the seashore himself, clutching Thetis in the form of a fish to his chest, until he worried that he had killed the sea nymph. But she soon resumed her own lovely form, realising that the gods had decided that he should hold her. Then Peleus declared his love to the sea nymph, even as her dolphins played in the waves beside them. They married in Chiron's cave, and a wedding feast was prepared such as never before had been seen on Mount Pelion. The vaulted roof of the cave was decorated with gems that glittered in the light from the torches held by a thousand mounted nymphs. The divine food and drink of the immortals, ambrosia and nectar, were brought from Olympus for the immortals who came to enjoy the feast. Zeus, father of the gods, and his queen, the white-armed Hera, smiling Aphrodite, and Athene, grey-eyed and wise. The Nereids, Thetis' sisters, danced for the guests, and the most wonderful gifts were given. 
armor carefully wrought by Hephaestus, the blacksmith of the gods, was given to Peleus, and from Poseidon, the sea god, he received two immortal horses called Balios and Xanthus, swifter than the wind. When Zeus told Thetis she would give birth to a son greater than his father, the three old women sat beside Zeus, nodding in agreement. These were the three fates, never sleeping, always spinning the thread of destiny. The destiny of your son is clear to us, Thetis, said Clotho. He will have two fates, said Lachesis. He may live life as a warrior, glorious and brave, the poets will sing of his great courage. Then, said Atropos, he will die young and far from home. Or, said Clotho, he may remain with his people. Then, said Atropos, he is fated to live a long life and die a wise old man loved.